Let me start just by saying a word of appreciation and thanks to uh, our Democratic uh, colleagues, and, and a word of thanks in particular to those who have served and will not be back to serve in the next General Assembly. But it's uh, it's been, I think, sometimes under uh, estimated how much got done during the four years of divided government here. Property taxes and and their uh, a reduction, the biggest tax cut in state history, the deregulation of telecommunications, health care for the uninsured, budgets we could live with. And so uh, while it's true that uh, there are many agenda items, including uh, many I'll discuss this morning, that uh, we couldn't agree on. Uh, we ought to remember that a, an awful lot of important things did happen for Indiana and that uh, our colleagues on the other side had a hand in it. Um, this morning, I want to present to the uh, citizens of our state uh, the outlines of, I think it's fair to say, a very ambitious agenda for more positive change in Indiana. I would group them in a few categories. Obviously, the protection of taxpayers comes first to us, and we'll be uh, determined to, to produce another budget that uh, protects Indiana's fiscal stability, our AAA credit rating, and does so without raising taxes. And I also will ask the General Assembly to place in law for the future the automatic refund of reserves beyond some level, uh, leave those dollars in the pockets of Hoosier taxpayers, opposed to let them burn a hole in the pockets of whoever is in, the, uh, in public office when that happy day arrives again. We look forward to major reforms in both state and local government, um, including in state government the protection of workers against forceful confiscation of any of their pay. Membership uh, in unions and paying dues ought to be absolutely a free right, but it ought to be the worker's choice and we'd like to uh, protect them against it, having, having it imposed on them once again. Um, in local government, we will start with the bills that passed the Senate in the last two sessions, and we hope to not only uh, revisit those issues, but go beyond them. And um, very hopeful that uh, the Kern and Shepherd Commission recommendations uh, will uh, advance on many fronts. And then in uh, education, we believe the day has come for Indiana to lead um, what is now a national trend toward major reforms. And here there are three basic categories. Teacher quality, we know that nothing's more important for student achievement than the, having a first-rate teacher, an effective teacher in each classroom each year of their schooling. We're not there today. We need a system that identifies those teachers, rewards them better than today but also identifies teachers who aren't getting the job done and either helps them to become effective or to um, move on to something else. Um, the second category is accountability for our schools. Under uh, Superintendent Bennett, uh, we are serious now about making uh, certain that schools either help students learn and grow or are managed by somebody who can. And, uh, but hand in hand with more accountability, goes flexibility. And today, the hands of principals and superintendents and school boards are too often tied by state regulation, sometimes by state statute, sometimes by local contract. It's only fair, as we hold people more responsible, to let them have the tools to get the job done in the way they see best uh, uh, under, uh, under uh, local control. And then finally, we want to expand and widen the options for Indiana families. Uh, it's not right that only the more uh, fortunate and wealthy citizens have full range of choice. And so um, we want to make certain that 
students can move from district to district without being charged tuition. There's no need for that anymore now that the state provides all the funding. And we want to open the door to charter schools, which has been, uh, which have been operating under both limits on, the, on their number and uh, fisc uh, fiscal and financial restraints that uh, the other public schools do not uh, have to put up with. Um, so we look to make that option possible too. And I will specifically ask the General Assembly, a favorite idea of mine, to allow those students who can and wish to, their own choice, uh, complete their graduation requirements in less than 12 years to do so and to have the money or much of the money we would have spent on their 12th grade year uh, available to use to defer the high cost of higher education. So beyond these uh, uh, changes, we have to address the UI problem. We will uh, address the redistricting responsibility we have. Indiana must have a fair redistricting based on geographic and community of interest lines, not politics. And I'll only sign one that meets that um, test. And um, uh, then um, we also hope to maintain Indiana's position as the nation's infrastructure leader by giving state government more tools to build the roads and bridges and other projects we'll need in our future. So it's a big assignment, set of assignments. We're really excited about the chance to, for Indiana to surge forward in all these, on all these fronts. And um, I began the process yesterday of visiting with legislators um, uh, that uh, on both sides had several in, uh, individual meetings with uh, members of our Democratic caucuses uh, in hopes of uh, building bipartisan support for much of this agenda. Are you planning to cut unemployment There'll have to be a change. We can't continue with some of the lowest premiums and the highest benefits in America. And that's why the system was leaking money when the economy, when we were at full employment. And it's leaked a lot of money since we have high unemployment. So yes, we're going to. It's going to have to change from uh, both ends, and there's going to have to be some changes that probably um, um, bring more fairness for the small employer versus the large employer. How much would you bring down the maximum from the current 390 a week? I don't know, but you know, I'm just going to. There are going to have to be changes in in both directions. There's no way you can uh, tax your way back to balance of this system and continue paying the second or third highest benefits in America. Just not going to work. And um, so um, there'll have to be give from, from both ends. And I'm, I'm pretty sure we can find a middle ground that does work. Will you pursue any new sources of revenue? You mean general revenue? No, I mean privatization of the lottery or anything. Oh, oh, oh. Anything of that sort? We don't have anything uh, on the boards right this minute. We're always open to these ideas. If the, you know that I have uh, uh, ventured that idea uh, two or three years ago and uh, thought it would be a great way to help families with the cost of higher education. Uh, the market conditions are different now, uh, but uh, Illinois has just done something like this, so it may be that that possibility uh, can come back into consideration. Um, yeah, let me just say this. If we did, the, if we did undertake something like that, um, I'd be most interested in it for that purpose, uh, that is, of helping families with uh, education costs. Governor, when you talk about redistricting, it is true that in most parts of the state, because most of the state is homogeneous, it's relatively easy to draw maps that are fair and respect geographic and community <clears throat> interests. But 
given the complexity of Marion County, and given where we think minority communities have spread out over Marion County when the data comes back in February, do you think that is realistic to be able to have a fair redistricting plan in your mind? Because to do that in Marion County with the geographic whatever, you would violate the law in terms of protecting communities of interest of minority communities. Well, Amos, when I said that we'll be looking for a plan that's fair, uh, I meant to include uh, the requirements of the uh, uh, civil rights laws that we have uh, in, in the voting rights laws that we have. Uh, I'm simply saying that uh, and this is the, it's for the legislature to draw these lines. I'm simply saying the map I'll accept has to be one that really uh, uh, use those, all those criteria and not uh, the, uh, the sort of gerrymandering that we saw 10 years ago. Well, the last General Assembly voted to increase the premiums. Let's remember this is an insurance program. These are premiums we're talking about, sometimes too loosely described as taxes. The premiums in Indiana um, are uh, still low, even uh, after the increases that were voted for last year are uh, put in place. It's a very important um, criterion for me that we keep the cost of doing business in Indiana low. We are now seen everywhere as one of the best places for new jobs and investments. One reason we're so far ahead of other states in, in bringing them here this year. Um, but we can make the necessary adjustments, do our duty to have a, a UI fund that's in balance uh, without jeopardizing that. And uh, as, I, I don't, as I said before, they're going to have to be uh, changes on both ends of the equation to get this thing back in sync. On the current Shepherd reports, you mentioned in the release of the township boards. Does that mean that you've given up the idea of abolishing townships? No, I think, I think that the uh, uh, paper can, uh, talks about the, and other plans. You know, just, just to, from a process standpoint, um, We've laid out here with, in some specifics what it is we intend to do. The process of visiting with legislators and also outside um, uh, citizens about the specifics began yes literally yesterday morning and will continue during the time I spend in Asia the next two weeks. And we'll make uh, decisions about the final specifics of what to propose in local government and education and all these other areas with the benefit of the input that we're gathering right now and, and then between here and Thanksgiving. Would you like to abolish the townships completely? Yeah, I do, I've always said that I thought that was one of the commission uh, suggestions that made eminent sense. That that was a layer that uh, served well when, I mean, the township was, was devised based on how long it took to get, how, how much distance you could cover on a horse in a day. And those days are behind us. And so, yes, I happen to personally believe that this is one of those things we could find a better way forward on. But again, it needs to be a collaborative process and the discussions with members of both parties uh, began uh, yesterday morning. In any kind of reduction in township, would that include the precedent of allowing that county and that township to vote? Yeah, it might. That's one of the adjustments that uh, 
might bring about some consensus is making this uh, not a statewide decision but a county by county decision we did this with assessors um, as I recall a thousand assessors uh, positions went away about 13 remained and so that was a lot of progress I mean my attitude on the whole Kern and Shepherd front is uh, you know let's see how much we can agree to do and uh, any progress is good progress Are you talking about local government specifically, Kevin? Yeah. Well, you know, I think we've learned in the area of local government reform, it's much more horizontal uh, in, in the sense that there are Republicans who are reluctant to uh, act for change, but there are many Democrats who are enthusiastic about change. And so uh, really I think that the importance of the Tuesday's election is now these ideas at least will get a hearing and get to the floor. If, and when they do, I think you'll find members of both parties um, on both sides of the question. Governor, when you talk about uh, uh, reevaluating teachers um, and education, do you make any sort of allowance for teachers who are taking uh, positions in areas where there are lower socioeconomic conditions? How do, you, how do you balance that out? Yeah. No, it has to start there. It's a very important fairness question. Uh, thanks to Superintendent Bennett and his department, we have now gotten to the point where we can measure um, how much a child learns and grows and it takes into full account where the child started or where the classroom started and that's the only fair thing it seems to me to do um, and uh, we're now in a position to do that at least in most grades and most subjects and what we'll be seeking is on a local basis um, uh, systems of that are fair that take into full account that the teacher cannot control uh, what mix of students they start with um, but what is very fair and essential to uh, measure and then reward like crazy when we find it is teaching that takes a child from wherever they started uh, to uh, uh, at least a year of growth. And does that involve changes in tenure? Uh, yes, it has to. You know, the idea that uh, we sometimes, uh, we do nothing, nothing better for the best teacher who happens to be younger or happens to have fewer years on the job than for the teacher who's just been around longer, that's not fair and it's not a way to get improvement in the system. So absolutely, uh, we have to join the other states in which now teachers are earning tenure by their performance, not simply by uh, living an extra year. Well, I don't read the numbers that way, but the question's a fair one. Uh, the first time I suggested it, I remember I campaigned on this in 08. I, I suggested 10%, but I'm very, I'd be very flexible. Most of the fiscal experts recommend a reserve, a, a, that is a balance of 6 to 8%, and we've always thought it should be higher, and maybe 10% isn't high enough. Uh, I would just like to establish the principle that at some point, uh, the state should stop collecting money, should leave those dollars with the people who earn them. The state gets its hands on them, it's liable to spend them. Actually, my recollection of the $2 billion surplus is they spent most of it. And uh, that's, that's uh, not good economics and it was uh, turned out not to be good fiscal policy. So uh, I think we'll probably uh, start at the idea of 10%, but I'd be very open to people saying, no, let's be more cautious than that. Maybe it's 12, maybe it's 14. 
maybe it's 15. I just think the principle would be a good one to, to put in place, and it would, it would give an incentive to legislators to be careful about their spending, because if they were, at least in good times, reserves would get past that level and everybody in Indiana would get, uh, would share in the benefit. You know, I edited this more than once. No, no tax increases. Governor, along the lines of uh, local government, uh, the voters of Lake County just elected a new Republican county council member uh, who is opposed to a county. I know. I mean, it, I almost expect the Vatican to uh, come and investigate the possibility of a miracle. <laughs> is it the first time in 52 years? Right, right, right. Yeah. I'm, I'm talking about the council member, though. Oh, I'm sorry. Opposed to the local option income. Uh-huh. That's a question for the legislature, which put those in place. Governor, you started, talking about, started out talking some about the um, unions and not forcing any workers to mm -hmm. be part of the project. Are you talking about state workers, or are you talking about making Indiana a right to work state? I was no, no, of course not. I was talking about state workers, first of all. And just to be very, very clear, collective bargaining is important. It'll always be part of our system. It's a fundamental uh, right. but. It, it does not have to include the right to uh, take money from the paychecks of, of uh, government workers unless they give their permission. Uh, we still uh, have um, union membership in state government, and uh, I've told our people all along to meet regularly with their representatives. But once we made it the worker's choice, uh, more than 90, something like 95 percent decided to keep that money and not, uh, and not turn it over in dues. And I just believe that they ought to have that freedom. Governor, switching to the trip to Asia, mm -hmm. with two years now left in your administration, is it still cost-effective? Are you thinking about jobs for the remaining of your term, or are you planting seeds for beyond? Yeah. Well, first of all, we generally finance this with private uh, money, so uh, uh, the, the only real cost is the wear and tear on those of us who make the trip. Um, we feel that they've been extremely valuable. I think that particularly now, when other states are struggling so badly, uh, and Indiana is uh, widening its uh, lead as a good place to do business, I, I think maybe the prospects are even better than in some of our early years. And so uh, I'm very hopeful. Uh, we've got some live leads in both countries, and um, we're going to see the top leadership of of companies that employ tens of thousands of Hoosiers. That just can't be a bad idea. Governor, as far as sentencing reform, uh, huh? do you have any specifics that you're, you're thinking about in terms of uh, trying to lessen the burden on the prison system? Uh, well, no, but I'm eager to see specifics from the, uh, the Pew uh, Commission and the work they're doing with uh, legislators that are active in this area. Uh, my sense is that uh, uh, that, that their research will show us ways to make certain we incarcerate the, uh, those who are really a danger to public safety. Uh, maybe there are more uh, taxpayer-friendly ways to deal with those who are not a danger but do have to make amends to society. So, for example, with uh, uh, offenses 
cases involving possession of illegal drugs, uh, would you be recommending more rehab as opposed to prison time, anything along those lines you're seeing? Let's see what the data says and let's see what the uh, experts recommend. Um, but um, we know that this work in other states has in some cases led to real improvements in which, uh, first of all, um, uh, less prison capacity was needed and uh, therefore that um, uh, taxpayer dollars uh, went further. And if they can show us ways to do that, we'll be open to any of them. When do you anticipate that report? Uh, I think we're expecting the end of this month. Uh, before the end of the year, but I, you know, I'm hoping, uh, you know, in the next few weeks. Well, 57% of Hoosiers thought so. Um, you know, he's an independently, separately elected state official. He doesn't work for me. Um, and uh, so, uh, you know, these, these issues were properly reported and frequently reported, and uh, people have voted. So based on anything in the situation we know right now, that's, that's their choice to make. I don't. If we're going to deal with this issue, and as I, I tried to say, they're going to have to be uh, adjustments in both the premiums and the benefits. Whether they'll be exactly the same ones or exactly the same level, I don't know. It's more of a mathematical question than a policy question. But both ends of that equation are going to have to uh, be adjusted. Uh-huh. Yeah, well, it's for it's for Tony and the and the and the board to uh, uh, recommend. But even yesterday, the board was meeting on this subject, as I recall. Um, it, it, we probably need to say this: the board, at my encouragement, three or four years ago, uh, offered school districts the chance to have these a lot of the rules waived, and very few took a, uh, took them up on that offer. So there's a lot of inertia in the system. Uh, I think Tony and I decided the best way is just let's just take things off the books. If they don't have to do with, loosely speaking, if they don't have to deal with student achievement, maybe we shouldn't be requiring them at all. There may be all sorts of information requests, for instance, that isn't really essential to getting at the one thing that matters. Are the kids growing? Are the kids learning? And we're out to build a system that is built entirely around that question. In fact, I shouldn't even use that word. The question is the kids or the system. What are we interested in here? And we're interested in a, in a uh, public education offering that is entirely built around the kids and what's best for them. Then we talked about school accountability. Mm -hmm. Even though a majority of African-American students in public school do not attend an IPS school, IPS still has a very emotional connection uh -huh. with the African-American Oh, I think so, Amos, but I'm pretty emotional about kids. And when I see kids who have been handicapped for life, I don't care where the system is, and it's not, we, our, our problems, schools are not limited to IPS at all. You know, that's what we ought to be emotional about. And, and I would just ask those whose first emotion is for the system to think about it. You know, 
why would we let anything about the sacred system get in the way of the children of Indiana and their chance to live the lives that they're capable of, of living? So yeah, of course, everybody recognizes this, and I know anything we do, we'll try to structure around the uh, around term in terms of, of uh, local control, as I mentioned earlier, uh, more flexibility. Now, under accountability, one of the laws that the legislature needs to pass, they need to give guidance as to what happens when a school has run out the string. Under our 1999 law, which gave schools really a dozen years to get it right, it's a long time. It's the entire, the kindergartners of, the, of that year, if they manage to graduate, are graduating. And that law does not prescribe what you do when a school has finally run out the string and failed and failed and failed and failed. Now, Tony can make it up, but that's not the way to do it. The people's representatives, including the people who represent districts where this, these schools, we have 23, I guess, that have, uh, where these 23 schools are, uh, need to be heard from. Okay, if we're going to make a change, how and who? He's a great guy, and he served well, and I respect his decision. I will say that uh, um, I'll ask anybody who's thinking of running for any office in 2012 to be quiet about it for the next several months. You know, this is not, we just finished an election, and um, we now ought to all be about the business of delivering on the change and the, uh, and the duties that we have. And so I'm going to ask anybody who's thinking about running for anything to just stifle yourself for uh, a few months. Let's do the people's business. There'll be plenty of time on the backside of that. And uh, there's some tremendous office holders of my close acquaintance who support that policy, and I bet you Mike does too. If it comes down to your self-confidence, Yeah, well, you know, this is not a question for today. We're, we're not talking about politics for a, a good long while here. I've, um, I think you can see where my attention is. It's on that piece of paper you're holding. Very astute, and yes, 100% correct. You mean like six months ago? I would, I would just say, you, you can see right here, uh, this is a very ambitious um, uh, list of, of objectives. These, I think, are the most important things. I, it's, not to, it's not to say that other issues, uh, we could fill up other pages with things that they'll probably work on and that are important, but this is an expression of what I think is most important for the state. I thought I, somebody would ask it, and I thought it would be you. And I just think in fairness, I'll just tell you, there were three House and one uh, members and one Senate member. And I'll try to see some more before I go. Uh, uh, but uh, I'll see a lot more when I get back. But uh, I don't, I don't want to call them out by name unless they choose to identify themselves. Did you include Pat Pardon me? Did you include Pat uh, uh, no, I haven't talked to him yet. I hope it'll be easier. 
I hope, I don't know, but I hope that maybe there will be a little less uh, you know, iron discipline imposed on those who would like to work across party lines. Um, I happen to think it was one reason that they lost their majority. And we were making the point that uh, in advocating uh, positively ideas like the ones uh, we're talking about here, um, that uh, we had tried and some of these things would, they simply uh, disagreed with we couldn't even get a hearing on. So uh, maybe they'll have a, a different outlook, I don't know. But locking up uh, in United fashion to say no, no, no didn't work too well for them. Well, without knowing you know who or what, I hope it does because uh, this is another uh, issue that we do need to, to take care of. And so uh, I'll certainly encourage that uh, uh, his or her um, specific suggestions ought to be ought to be uh, considered along with any that emerge from the Republican side. Uh, this is a very practical question. Uh, what would we do if uh, an Indiana municipality did go bankrupt? There's a federal chapter for this, but it requires that you have a state counterpart law, and we don't. So we need one. It's a very practical question, and I would think ideas from any direction would be very welcome. Given the ambitiousness of this agenda, plus budget, plus redistricting, can all this be done in four months? Yeah, sure. These are exactly the same questions you guys have asked in previous General Assemblies. And uh, every time, more gets done than some folks thought. So Indiana's in a higher gear these days. And I'll just tell you that I, uh, uh, Becky and I had a great uh, little uh, uh, hour of fellowship with the, uh, after the caucuses met yesterday. And folks are really in a, in a mood to go. And, and I'll tell you, the new faces who are coming uh, are excited about, they want to they see things, uh, they want to see more progress made. And they're not coming here just to fill seats and, uh, and enjoy the view. So I'm, I'm very, very optimistic. Governor, at, at any point prior to Tuesday night, did you anticipate a 59-seat majority? Well, we can all dream. <laughs> I, act, I actually thought it would be uh, with a clear margin. Uh, and I allowed myself now and then to, to imagine it might get quite that big. But uh, uh, I, I try to discipline myself, not to, not to out, try to outguess the voters, because I'm always wrong. Governor, you discussed the idea of uh, trying to get students to maybe aim for graduation at an accelerated pace, and then perhaps giving them money, yeah. whatever would be left over. How do you foresee that money being spent? Would that be strictly in-state schools? Hmm. Uh, Yeah. Well, all good questions, uh, and um, I don't have a fixed view about it. Um, uh, but the uh, let me—I will tell you this: uh, this is one of those ideas that uh, that I got traveling around mainly in schools in Indiana. I didn't realize till a few years ago how many of our young people are already doing this, or could easily wrap up in 11 years or a little more, until until young people told me that. And then you ask them, uh, so what are you doing senior year? And they say, well, having a good time. <laughs> kind of cruising here. That's when I began thinking about maybe we ought to give them a choice that's not there now. And I will tell you that we asked that Tony's department does a comprehensive survey given to tens of thousands of students every year, asked them a lot of questions. I asked Tony to pose this idea on the latest survey. 73% of our students said they'd like to have this 
option. Now, I know only a fraction would actually choose it, but it shows that there's an interest in doing it. And as to how the money would be used, I think the only place I'd draw the line is it had, would have to be used for education, something post-secondary. It doesn't have to be four-year college. Um, I'm not sure that it has to be in state, although we could talk about that. I, I do think that uh, if we're going to uh, allow them to earn some money, in essence, that it ought to be used to further their education. But after that, I'm, I'm open-minded. Mm -hmm. They'd be right, and it is our agenda. Everything we do is, is intended to tie directly to that. And, uh, you know, clearly strengthening the education system of this state will do that. Clearly reforming local government, which will make for both uh, faster local decisions, more transparency, and lower taxes will help do that. And, um, and a state government that operates, we've got the cost of state government down now in most departments, 25% in just the last couple years. A state government that is uh, lean and, and uh, perhaps has a spending limitation or uh, a, a law in the books of the kind we're calling for, those are all go directly to the question of how do you make Indiana a constantly better place for people to invest and create jobs? Governor, you'll be in Asia. I don't know. I don't know. You know, I, I admit there have been a bunch of books come out where I read them from the index, read the index first. So I suppose I will, but uh, uh, I don't know. I, I, he's a very good storyteller, and I think it's full of stories. So it'll probably, you know, whatever one's viewpoint, I think it'll probably be a very good read, and we'll all learn some things from it. But uh, I don't know what to, other than that, I don't know what to expect. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I hope I. And by the way, I thought his early <clears throat> presentations showed an understanding of this. That it's very incumbent on uh, on a political party or its leadership uh, to present its best ideas and to advocate for them. And uh, I think that uh, I, I saw a, a lot of recognition of that, and I saw uh, a real. A sense of seriousness in in the few comments I caught from the new speaker out there. So I uh, I think he's got the right mentality, and maybe he's learned from. You know, Republicans have made this mistake in the past, um, uh, at least nationally, and uh, so he's got plenty of object lessons to draw on. I hope he hope he take, took careful note. I don't know by what means, but um, it remains a, a, my objective to have the full range of options available to families, and it ought not depend on how wealthy you are. Anything that might strengthen our hand or add to our toolbox for uh, job growth is always something we'll have a look at. Uh, I've 
made the point now for several years that these incentives are useful, but they're always at the margin. They're always the cherry on the Sunday. We're winning. Uh, you know that, that the, all those announcements we made last week were won basically because Indiana is a lower cost place to do business, and it's a place with good infrastructure, and it's a place with um, good and stable workforce. We all we routinely win versus other states who are offering more goodies up front because they don't have a very good business environment. And uh, so, yes, they're useful, but they're always the last thing we get to. And we know, uh, just in playing good poker, that the investors or businesses that are comparing states, the main thing they're looking at is not how much of an edge might we get in the first and third and fourth year. It's what's it going to cost us to be in state A versus B in year 6 and 8 and 10 and 20. And that's where we're winning. I'm going to follow up on Nikki's question yeah. about vouchers. I wasn't quite sure I understood your answer. I think, I think you were saying you're open to it. Yes. I'm, I'm, I'm certainly open to There are various mechanisms one can use to help parents who are interested in that option. And uh, um, so nothing is off the table here. You know, uh, a, a legislator from Northwest Indiana pointed out to me yesterday there are, there's a charter school in Gary, I think, called Thea Bowman. It's in Gary, right? There are a thousand families on the waiting list. Now, that's not right. They're looking for something else. And if we can serve them all with an explosion of charter schools and virtual charters, I don't know. Uh, but I, I think it's going to take here, a, a, we're going to look for any option that might help a family who, who's convinced that uh, they need a, a better a place of hope for their child. Well, let's not make this harder than it needs to be. Uh, we're in pretty stable shape for the moment. We still have reserves. And um, we have lowered the base of state spending uh, more significantly than some people have, have caught up to. So uh, think more in terms of avoiding increases. Think more in terms of, of holding spending where it is. Revenues are growing again. Not real fast, but they're growing. And, um, you know, I don't want to minimize the difficulty, but uh, as long as we resist the temptation to start adding lots of spending, we can stay in the strong shape that we're in. Let me just, I'll give you a specific that I get asked once in a while. Um, I really do not expect any further reduction in K-12 education. There have been some concern, I know, in the, that community that there might be a second round. Well, based on anything we've seen, we're now four months into the second year. There won't be. Governor, yeah. the hearing is probably going to be back before your distress board in January. Mm -hmm. um, and if you may do that with the city department head that's facing a federal fraud charge, there's been some conflict. In Lake County? Really? Will that be any concern for the distressed board? The mayor has 
since they're going to be coming to the distress board, is that? Well, I, you ought to ask members of the board, but, you know, I think trying to help Gary solve its problems, which is really their job, not to solve them for them, but help Gary, you know, do the necessary things to solve their problems uh, ought to be bigger than any one individual. That would be my advice to them. Thank you, everyone.